0: If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to Luke chapter 6? We're in Luke chapter 6. We launched our, our study in the book of Luke last week when we walked through Luke chapter 4 and Jesus standing in the synagogue and saying that He is the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. We've been in this gospel series walking through Matthew, Mark, and here we are in our second week of Luke And as we continue on, you'll notice that there's a card that you've been given as you walked in for the verse to memorize for next week. And also our reading for this week, Monday through Saturday. And so the um, verse that we were memorizing this week is one that Jesus gives us when he says, I tell you, he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who mistreat you. And that was the verses for memorization. We're going to break this passage down a little bit, and it's going to be some testimony that's going to be shared as well. The scriptures say that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, and as testimony is shared, I believe God's going to be doing some powerful things through that today. So before we read from the word, let's pray together, settle our hearts to receive here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time as we gather around your word. And we believe that you speak to us through your word. There is something that you have to say to all of us today. And I pray that we would lean in and we would respond. And we pray over the children's ministry as they're meeting right now and the things that are being taught to them. We pray for a special blessing and anointing upon that ministry as well. We thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. so in Luke chapter 6, starting here in verse 27, we'll read through verse 36. The Bible says, this is Jesus speaking now, He says, "'I tell you who hear Me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also.' And if someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Now give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? So that even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked be merciful just as your Father is merciful. All right, let's start to walk through this a little bit. But I think the big key components here are in verses 27 and 28. In regards to people that are hard to love, people that are difficult, people that you might consider to be your enemy, people who hate you, people who mistreat you or curse you, all of those things, here's Jesus' response, and you can memorize it by this. Love, do good, bless, and pray. You can just repeat that over and over again. Love, do good, bless, and pray. And you can just remember and you can recall these words of Jesus just simply by saying those four things over and over. And then when you're in very difficult moments with very difficult people, you can recite those things. Okay, God told me to love. He told me to do good. He told me to bless And he told me to pray. And to accomplish this, I don't know about you guys, but I need the Holy Spirit to help me with this. Have you ever encountered difficult people where it was hard to apply these very words and the truth of what Jesus is trying to say? I wrote this down. Uh, uh, Here's a translation for you. The New American Flesh Version would almost go like this. Hate your enemies... Actually, that's kind of strong. Let me back off on that. Uh, Strongly dislike your enemies. That's what my flesh would want. My flesh would also say, backbite those who hate you. Not do good. My flesh would also say, curse those who curse me. Not, Not bless. That's really difficult to do. And then instead of pray for those who mistreat you, I mean, if I'm going to do that, I might as well say, God, smite those who mistreat me. Take care of the issue here. Wipe them out. And you look at how there's a battle and a struggle for us as we carry out our relationships and our interaction with people day in and day out. Our flesh would like to respond in a negative way, but the Spirit of God calls us to a higher standard. How do we interact with people who are hard to love, who mistreat us or take from us Consider the relationship the Jewish people had with the Romans. Okay? You understand that the, the oppression and the persecution and all that was taking place, and here Jesus is telling them, I want you to love these people who mistreat you. It's not just about a, a bad decision or something, but people who have maybe uh, want to take your life and are threatening you. And Jesus is telling them to respond with love. And love here is not so much that I have this great affection for my enemies, but this love that Jesus is talking about is, I have a genuine concern for their well-being, even though they're in opposition with me. And specifically, the genuine concern that I have is for their eternity. And you're able to back up for a second and say, I want to see that person spend eternity in heaven. And if you're in a situation where if they're your enemy or they're mistreating you or they're cursing you and all of those things, it's most likely coming from somebody who's not a believer. It's not always the case. But in those situations, how can you work through that that someday they may come into an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ? And so as we consider their well-being and the the eternity and and the broad picture and say, you know, a hundred years from now, are these things really going to matter? I mean, it's all about Jesus and people and people coming into an encounter with Him. Can I take these light and momentary things and be able to somehow see God turn them around for good? And when we consider that, I was reflecting on these things this last week, and I had a testimony shared with me one time about, uh, you know, something that had happened to somebody and then the response that was given considering the well-being of that person. And so Paul Abens, I'm going to invite you to come up and share a little story that happened to your father and the response that your father gave. If you want to go to the pulpit, I'll grab you the mic. Okay.
1: Okay, Um, this is a story that, a true story, Um, happened to our family, and um, it happened close to 30 years ago, Um, about this time of the year, a little bit later, it was during deer season, and uh, there was a couple of guys that were um, out deer hunting, and alcohol was involved, and well, they were having quite a time, and They wound up, um, it actually happened on the place where I live now, but um, at the time, it was a vacant house, and but our family had a lot of cattle there, cows and calves, and um, anyway, these two guys were out deer hunting, and um, like I say, they were drinking quite a bit, and well, they wound up this farm is kind of located in the kind of in the hills, and there's a lot of deer around there. And so, they wound up driving up the lane, and well, they kind of scoped the place out, is what they did, and saw the cattle there. Well, <clears throat> that night they came back, and uh, they had a pickup and horse trailer, and they proceeded to back up to the cattle shed, and they. Kind of took a gate cut of of cows and calves, right out of the out of the barn. So, um, the next day, um, Dad went over to do chores, and well, here's stockade panels laying all over the place, and a few calves were bellowing because their mamas were gone, and you know, <laughs> there was cows and calves were kind of running around, and well. We, uh, Dad called the sheriff, and they there was footprints in the snow, and they did the report, and and uh, we had, like, there was half a dozen cows and I think four or five calves that were missing, yearling calves. So, anyway, um, didn't have a clue where they went to or anything like that, but um, Dad... Um, Love going to sale barns and that kind of stuff. So, the next um, several months—was that right, Mom?—about several months, he went to the uh, sale barn from Gallery, Lake City. Um, I think he went to Algona, and um, seemed like there's one more. But anyway, faithful he went around the circuit for the next several months, um, hoping that these cattle would show up. And, well, every, every time he went, I mean, he, the, all the auctioneers knew him because he had done business with them quite a bit. And he told them what the scoop was, that they were looking for my cows to see if they would ever show up again. <clears throat> well, this, like I say, this happened in December, and I think it must have been close to March or somewhere in there. It was going into springtime. But anyway dad was sitting in the gallery sale barn and um, one of the cows i mean any of you guys have livestock you know certain cattle or or hogs or something there's just something different about each particular critter well anyway this one cow we always called her buffalo because she had such a funny looking shoulders and that kind of stuff but anyway here come this cow in the ring Dad looked at the auctioneer, and he goes like this, pretty, <laughs> pretty excited. You know, he just kept going like that, and so they um, auctioned the cattle off, and they were waiting to see who collected the check. Okay, so in the meantime, the cow and the calves got auctioned off, and um, the sheriff was called, and next thing you know this guy walks in and he gets the check. They had him. So... (laughs) Anyway... What happened in the meantime, um, this guy went to jail and, um, because, you know, the dollar amount he he was over, because it was pretty serious, excuse me. But anyway, Dad went to the hearing, and he um, talked with this fellow, and um, they spent a little bit of time together. Well, sorry. <clears throat> anyway, Dad, um, like I say, he visited with him, and they had some words, and... Um, anyway, this was a handwritten note that it was Dad's first draft that he sent to the judge, okay? Now, I'll do my best to read it, and so have a little patience with me. Um, Your Honor, Judge Cody, I talked to Tim outside the courthouse the Tuesday of the hearing. He apologized for all of the trouble he caused me by taking my cattle. He said he was very sorry and if there's anything he could do I told him I was happy he confessed as it is important. As it is important in the eyes of God that you would forgive that I would forgive him and we shook hands. And later on he said, I know this is not my, this is to the judge, I know this is not my business to judge Tim, but under the additional comments, I would like to say a few things. Um, uh, let's see here. Tim, I don't think, is a mean man. And prison will not do him any good, and only cause hardship to his family i would like to see him paroled for 10 years to a good christian a good christian pastor or counselor and he and his wife and his family be required to go to church every sunday sunday school and bible classes <laughs> so the day came for the that he was supposed to be sentenced And Dad went, and Tim was standing before the judge, and, um, the judge said, Tim, if it wasn't for the gentleman standing in the back, you would be on your way to prison today. So, anyway, Tim looked around, and (laughs) there was my dad (laughs) standing there, and, uh, So they went through the thing and afterwards they were going back outside the courthouse and um, it was quite a scene. (laughs) They were just hugging in tears and, you know, his wife was very appreciative and he had two little boys there I think at the time and so they um, had quite a forgiveness, you know. And uh, I talked with Mom a little bit this morning about this, and she said, you know, for quite a few years, Dad would still go to the sale barn, and they would meet and talk with each other. So I think in this particular situation, it wasn't just a blessing to Tim to be forgiven, but it was also a blessing to my dad to do that. So, I just, it was a pretty neat thing. So.
0: You see what happens when you care about the well being of people who mistreat you. Uh, you hear a testimony like that, and I hope that encourages all of us to respond in such a manner. In Romans 12, we, we kicked off the service with the passage about renewing our mind and allowing God to work through us in a way that way we can be able to test what His will is and approve that and His good is pleasing His perfect will. A little bit later on in that particular chapter, the Bible talks about not repaying anyone evil for evil. I mean, the response there could have been much different, lock them away, um, you know, get my money back, my cattle back, all of that stuff, but we were trying to look for the well-being of the individual. And it ends, chapter 12, verse 20, 21, Don't overcome, uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so this is the response that Jesus is showing us. And uh, one thing that I just felt I needed to uh, share with you guys this week as I was sitting on this, in regards to, I mean, your dad could have held a grudge, and um, this is what came to me. Um, You can't be the hands of Jesus while you're also trying to hold a grudge. You can't be the hands of Jesus while trying to hold a grudge. Now, back in the passage there in Luke 6, it talks about your reward being great when you respond to people in these kinds of ways. And it says, you'll be like sons of the Most High. Other translations would say, it's, you'd be like children of the Most High. So we are actually mimicking, or, or um, you know, He's given us an example, and we want to be like our Father, And how He's compassionate and He's gracious and He's good and He's generous even to those who are in opposition to Him. Before you came to know Christ, all of us were sinners and were enemies of God, but because of His grace and His love, we receive the forgiveness of sin. And so if we're going to be like our Father you, you think of when you were a kid or maybe you had kids of your own that they want to be like their dad okay there 's times where Judah will walk in the living room with these crazy big shoes on, and he 'll be flopping in you know like i 'm wearing dad 's shoes you know isn 't that great or you know and maybe you can think of that dad's in the room or or if you 're a construction worker, maybe uh, your little guy or your little kid is is doing construction things and they 're like their dad, and, and there's times where we've caught Judah trying to preach. You know, I mean, it's like he 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 sees what his dad is doing and he wants to mimic that. And so the same thing is true for us with this passage. When we treat people who are in opposition to us with love and with compassion and with grace, we're mimicking our Heavenly Father. And it goes on to say that. He's kind to those who are ungrateful and the wicked. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been in that category of ungrateful and wicked. And yet God, in His compassion and His mercy, was gracious to me. Can anybody relate to that? And that it ends with, we need to be people who are merciful just as our Father is merciful. Thank you, Paul, for sharing your testimony and that example of your dad's mercy and the influence that that's had on your life. And we're going to have one more testimony here and transitioning us back into worship and music. And so I just want to invite you guys to come back up. And Jeff, Jeff's going to share a little bit of testimony as we close out our time in this passage.
2: I love that your dad saw Tim's heart, and uh, my daddy will be 90 years old in April, and I'm telling you, he is as sharp, well, he's in better shape than I am, and uh, he's always been a great dad, and, but uh, he, uh, it's like you were saying, I always want to be normally a father-like son, and Sherry wrote me a song uh, two months ago. Uh, Before I met Sherry, I was 24 years old, just didn't feel like I had anything to live for. I was raised a preacher's kid. My daddy is like the nicest and the greatest man in the world. But even daddy couldn't fix Jeff. It took Jeff. I told daddy one day when I got to my lowest point, I went by his bedside. I said, I need to pray and get Jesus for Jeff. And he got out and prayed with me. And uh, after we sat on the bed, he said, now, son, I ain't promised it'll all be perfect. But if you'll put God first in everything you do, everything else will fall into place. And two months later, I met Sherry, and I'm a very happy 36-year marriage here. And so if you're here today and you ain't met Mr. Wright or you ain't met Mrs. Wright, you call my daddy and let him pray for you. (laughs) He will hook you up. But I love this song that Sherry wrote about me because Sherry said she was reading somewhere that all a boy or a man ever wants to hear is their daddy to say, I'm proud of you, son. And those are words we long to hear. So I want to share this song with you that Sherry wrote for me and dad. And you get to hear and see my daddy sing with me this morning.
3: Like father, like son. The Father and the Son, you taught me to laugh at the stories you told. Taught me to listen To God up above I told you to pray You told me to pray From a heart filled with love Like Father, like Son Two road become one the old and the young the father and the We didn't always agree Didn't say eye to eye I wore my blue jeans you still make me proud like father like son two roads become one the old and the young the father and like sun, two roads become one, the old and the young, the father and the
2: And uh, my daddy's backstory, he was, uh, my grandma and grandpa Easter, they were alcoholics. And uh, daddy started drinking when he was only 11 years old. And uh, he uh, became an outlaw in our hometown when he was only 17 years old. He uh, went to prison now. He didn't hurt anybody. He was just one of those kids that you didn't want to see coming your way. I tell folks, me being from Mayberry, North Carolina, I think Andy Griffith got the character, Ernest T. Bass watching my daddy grow up, and uh, that's the kind of character daddy was, but uh, he spent a couple years in prison, but it was in that prison camp that a preacher came in to witness to those inmates, and it's the first time my daddy ever heard the good news of Jesus. Said the preacher came in and didn't tell him how long his hair was, tell him how mean he had been, he just simply got up and said, I know somebody that loves you, and they'll call you by your name and not that number on your shirt. Daddy had no clue he was talking about Jesus. Daddy looked at his buddy and said, That preacher must know my mama. <laughs> he, said, he said, No, James, he's talking about Jesus. And Daddy's like, Well, who's Jesus? And uh, that's when he heard about it. And he got out of prison. He met my mom and went to a little country church. And he wrote a song called Thank You, Lord, for Your Blessings on Me. And a lot of you folks have sang this song your whole life and didn't have a clue, an ex-inmate, my dad wrote this song. And I want to share that with you all this morning
3: while the world looks upon me as i struggle alone they say i have nothing but they are so wrong in my heart i'm rejoicing how i wish they pour your blessings on me Cause Up a tree, there's a roof up above. Is this- there? Y'all stand and sing with us again. There's a roof up above me. dear a roof up above. Me. Good place to sleep. I've a good place to sleep. There's food.
2: sing it again, but if you're here this morning, you need to pray. You don't know Jesus. You might have grown cold and ran away. I tell you the stories of me and my dad to let you know you haven't gone too far. And I love that. We're going to sing it again. If you want to respond, you can come up. Sing it again with us. There's a root. There's a roof
4: up above me. I'm a good place. To sleep, there's food on my table and shoes on my hand. feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and, and a fight forever.
0: Just pray with me as we get ready to close this service, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your blessings. And just as Jeff has shared testimony, we had testimony from Paul and and testimony from your Word, Lord. Help us to respond to people with your love and your grace. And Lord, if there is anyone right now that's listening that would desire to encounter your grace, maybe we've been ungrateful. Or perhaps we haven't settled the sin issue in our life. We haven't given our life to you, Lord. Then I just want to lead that individual in a prayer right now to receive your love. Just simply pray with me in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, today I respond to your love. Thank you for your blessings. And right now you desire to encounter my life. And I respond to you by saying, I surrender. And I ask for forgiveness of my sin and that you would transform my heart. Thank you for being the Lord and the Savior of my life. And today I desire to live for you and for the kingdom of God. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for everything that's taken place here in this service today. We ask for a special blessing upon the Easter's as they travel back home. I pray for a blessing over every home that's in this place as we worship together today. Lord, help us to walk out these things as we walk out these doors. And Lord, I pray for a special blessing upon the tithe and the offering today. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be a blessing to the Easter's as we give of a free will offering for their ministry. And Lord, we thank you for all that's taken place here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.